Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We're live. We have the man Eric Bischoff himself on the line and he will be answering all of your questions. You listen to them. Now hang out with us. This is After 83 Weeks with Christy Olson. That's me. I'm Maria Menounos and you're tuned in to After Buzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, with the buzz. <laughs> There it is. Hello, 83 Weeks fans. Welcome to the show that is just for you. That's right. We have Eric Bischoff himself waving at you right now. Please and please welcome the man, the host of 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. He is an entrepreneur, an author, and the former uh, president of WCW. Hey there, Eric. How you doing? I am doing so well. Having a great time here in uh, Dunedin, Florida. Enjoying the weather and uh, the water, the sun, and my kids. It's awesome. Well, we love to hear that. So glad you could still come and hang out with us for a little bit of time. want to remind everybody in the chat roll who's gathering just now that Eric will be answering your questions, so get those rolling right now. We do this live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific right here on the 83 Weeks channel. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. And I do have a uh, an unfamiliar panel for you here tonight who will be grilling Eric. You know him as the Devastator 2 on the indie scene, but we call him George Ramosa. Hello, everyone. Oh, hi. How you doing? Good. How are how are you guys? <laughs> Greeting our entire live audience. And a new face tonight. You guys know her from the AfterBuzz TV AEW After Show. Please welcome my friend, so be nice to her, Anissa Barr. Ooh, I'm so excited. Hi, Eric. How are you? Outstanding. How are you? Doing well. I'm very excited. <laughs> I, we are happy to have you here. Thanks to everybody who's joining us and getting those questions going. But before we get to our little Q&A session, Eric, I thought it'd be fun if we played a little game that I stole from Watch What Happens Live last night, which is on Bravo and, you know, usually features Real Housewives. But I think you're going to appreciate this one. Considering some of the uh, subject matter we talked about this week on 83 Weeks during your Q&A session, you talked a little bit about the chocolate cake, who liked to enjoy it, uh, who you enjoyed it with. And so we're going to play a little game that I'm calling... Who we'd rather. I'm going to give you two people that you've worked with, and you tell us, who would you rather smoke it up with? Enjoy a big fat (laughs) slice of chocolate cake with, Eric. And we are kicking things off with two of your buddies. Who would you rather smoke with, DDP or Hulk Hogan? Oh, Hulk Hogan. (laughs) (laughs) That was quick. Only only because I know that if, if DDP was smoking, it would only induce him to talk more than he already does <laughs> and i just couldn't handle it <laughs> i love that well how about a couple of guys who did come up on this episode would you rather smoke with vince mcmahon or rod mcmahon well i don't know rod mcmahon but it would really be fun to uh spend a couple hours doing some weed with uh, vince just to really get inside his head once and for all <laughs> right you think he'd be down for that Based on what I've read, likely. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Well, I'm pretty positive that these next two guys are both down. So who we'd rather, Dennis Rodman or Master P? 
Uh, Dennis Rodman, Ben Nair done that. Master P would be a new frontier. <laughs> <laughs> Just be careful for his gun-toting security guard, right? This next one came... Oh, hey, you know what? It, it just on a side note, I had breakfast with Master P about a week and a half or two weeks. No, it was more than that. It was about three or four weeks ago. And uh, Master P is a very cool guy. Very smart guy. Very good businessman. Uh, respect the hell out of him. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've never uh, had any chocolate cake with uh, Master Ooh. P. So that would, that, that would be a first. And I'm always up for a first. I'm going to have a follow-up to that, to that luncheon. Yeah. Was that a business meeting or just old friends catching up? A little bit of both. We'll get there. Will he be featured on the Hulk Hogan biopic soundtrack? (laughs) Not likely, but maybe. Okay, all right. See, that's why we play the games, people. And I cannot wait to hear what tidbits come out about these next two. Who we'd rather, Dixie Carter or Paris Hilton? (laughs) (laughs) We haven't talked much about your days working with Paris. Oh, I didn't work much with Paris, but Dixie would be fun to have a little cake with. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. All right. How about this one? Kevin Sullivan or Terry Taylor? Kevin Sullivan by a mile. (laughs) Because Terry would rat you out? (laughs) (laughs) You said it, not me. True that. I did. (laughs) All right. One last one. You know we had to throw this guy in there. Vince Russo or the Honky Tonk Man? (laughs) Neither is not an option. (laughs) I'd rather chew off both my legs. (laughs) All right. Well, that works for me. Oh, our chat roll is loving this. Blast Thunder, Nomad Warrior, the Bearded Mohawk, all uh, loving this game and weighing in on who they would all like to smoke with. So that was a good time. And while they get all of their questions rolling, I think uh, my cohorts here have a couple to get us started. Well, I want to get right into it, this whole Master P thing, (laughs) because the news came out not too long ago that Master P is a majority investment into this House of Glory wrestling promotion. Does it have anything to do with that, the House of Glory that, that Master P bought out? Ooh. No, it was more of a general meeting just to catch up and mm-hmm. see what we were uh, each up to and where we were both going. And it was very, very uh, – it was more social than business. But you know, there was some discussion, um, but nothing really came of it. It was just a, a preliminary conversation between two friends and two people that have worked together before and – like I said, nothing came of it. Mm-hmm. So I was more social than anything. Don't read anything into it. <laughs> don't don't anticipate anything. <laughs> nothing is imminent. There's no deal to be signed. None of that. Don't go nuts. It was just <laughs> it was just catching up. All right. Don't write the dirt sheets. But I do have to ask: Does he stay abreast of what's going on in the wrestling world outside of House of Glory? Like, did he know what's been going on with you? Uh, well, obviously he did, or he wouldn't have called me. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, look, I think Mr. P um, sees a lot of value in the in the wrestling industry. As three, as three, as three, as three, as three, as three. One second, y'all. Yes, Figuring yes, out yes, what the audio yes, issue yes, is, real quick. Oh, we're just having a little bit of technical difficulties. I bet we'll get Eric back here in just a second. I'm just going to, hey, Eric, we're just going to call you back real quick. Uh, we're having a bit of an audio issue. Um, so we're just calling it right back, y'all. But all I'm right. Gonna... Stay tuned. All of our uh, CJ LaChapelle, Bruzy, everybody is hanging out tonight. And 
Oh, and they have got some good questions going. So we're going to get Eric back in just a minute. CJ wants to know who's his favorite full-time pro wrestling ring announcer. Nomad Warrior is wondering when Eric is going to take back the reins. Oh, there he is. Eric, we had a little technical difficulties there. So go ahead and just uh, pick up at the beginning of that, if you wouldn't mind. I forgot where we were. <laughs> That's true. Uh, you mentioned about uh, more social. Master P was aware that he called you uh, aware of what your status was and... Yeah, he did, but but again, it was it was really more of a social meeting than mm-hmm. anything else, and I don't want to say too much more than that because everybody will read mm-hmm. into it more than they should. But uh, look, obviously, Master P bought into a, a, a wrestling organization. He sees value in the genre. He not speaking on his behalf, but my question is that Master P thinks that there is. I th- I think he does at least thinks that there is some value in creating um, a, a product that is catered to the hip-hop community and the minority community in a way that the current product doesn't. Mm-hmm. We discussed that, and uh, it was a very interesting, uh, fun conversation, and that was it. All right, all right. We we get it. No more grilling on Master P. But the Bearded Mohawk has a pretty serious question here from the live chat. He said, what do you think about the wrestler Jordan Miles quitting WWE and claiming that the company is racist? Oh, uh, you know, I hesitate to comment on things that I don't know much about, unlike most of the right sheet writers. <laughs> In the industry, because that's how they make their living. Uh, I Look, uh, I don't know him. I don't know the situation. I wasn't a part of it. Um, therefore, my opinion is worth absolutely nothing, much like most people who write about it. <laughs> but as a fan or a bystander... Uh, and someone who's been in the industry, I, I think it's a sad situation. Unfortunate would be a better w- term, probably, mm-hmm. um, because you never want to see that kind of conflict. You know, obviously, the young man had a great opportunity, but it was an opportunity that didn't work out for him for whatever reason, valid, invalid, whatever. He, he may have perfectly good grounds for feeling the way he does. I don't know. Um, like I said, I wasn't there. I wasn't a part of it. I have no idea what what the details are, but it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because here's a young man that had an opportunity and for whatever reason it didn't work out. And that's always an unfortunate situation. So I was sad to see it, sad to see all the commentary, sad to see the publicity. And it's just another situation where I think um, communication probably could have gone a long way to resolve it before it became the problem that it became. And, you know, it happens. It happens in business every day. It happens in life every day. It happens in personal relationships every day. People need to learn how to communicate. Yes, absolutely. And uh, the Beard Mohawk responded and said, thank you for your honest and straightforward answer, as usual. So I'll toss it over to Anissa now. I've been telling her for, for like, months that she can come and guest on the show. She finally got her opportunity. So I'm sure she has some great questions for you. Yes, I do. Um, so Jordan Grace posted on Twitter this past weekend that she and four other women were approached by the Sandman, stating that he said that women shouldn't main event, and it's wrong. 
Also, he said uh, from her via Twitter that any male wrestler of sort of experience would agree that women shouldn't main event. What are your thoughts on that? So Sandman not only thinks that women shouldn't main event, but he thinks that all the male wrestlers <laughs> agree with him on that. Um, dispute or agree, Eric? Oh, I dispute it um, in a big way. And, and I'm not, you know, I'm not patronizing here. I'm not trying to be politically correct because most people that know me know that I'm not. Um, but my, my, if, if I had to pick two of my favorite talents in the industry today, it would be Randy Orton, because I think he is one of the most flawless performers probably in the last 20 or 25 years in the industry, both as a character and an in-ring performer and Becky Lynch, because I think Becky Lynch has recreated the character of uh, in in the sports entertainment genre in a way that no one else before her has, and if anybody deserves to be in a main event anywhere in any event, it's Becky Lynch in my opinion. So I, you know, everybody's got their opinions and they have their reasons for having their opinions and their perspectives, and most of that is based on the way they grew up or the way they, you know, it, were exposed to the product, you know, early on in their childhoods or whatever but uh you know i don't i i I love sandman i think he's one of the coolest people out there always loved working with him and still enjoy running into him to this day (laughs) but i completely disagree on that one yeah when was the last time you saw sandman do you remember about about a month ago oh wow (laughs) eric gets out there he sees everybody you know rappers old wrestlers. And what I want to know, you know, some of the WWE commentators were in the news this week, but you're someone who's kind of uniquely qualified to talk about commentators being a person who hired them and worked as one. In 2019, are there commentators out there that stand out to you? Who do you really like? Mm, That's a tough one because so many of the, I mean, look, I I love Tony Schiavone. Now we're going to go back to the way I you know, came up in wrestling. I love Jim Ross. I love his commentary because it's very traditional. It's what I grew up with. It's it's the style and the, the type of commentary, the tone of commentary that um, represents the era of professional wrestling that had its largest impression on me when I was very, very young. So I'm going to gravitate towards that. Much like today, I gravitate towards classic rock, you know, Give me Stevie Nicks. Give me, you know, Fleetwood Mac, Stevie Nicks, one, almost one of the same, but not quite. Give me, you know, Rolling Stones. Give me Bob Seger. Those are my go-tos because that's kind of what I grew up with. That's That music had the largest impression on me probably during a period of time in my life where music influenced me the most. But that doesn't mean it's the best music. It just means that's what appeals to me. And I think announcers are in kind of the same category in the sense that, you know, when I listen to Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross, in particular Jim Ross, it's a very traditional approach to announcing, which appeals to me. But it doesn't mean that it's the best in today's world. You know, Corey Graves, and I know Corey's a little controversial right now, but, you know, Corey's cool as shit. Corey's mm-hmm. Corey's got an edge. Corey is is a very, very talented guy that probably watches more wrestling 
and is more familiar with more content in today's world than anybody on the planet. And he's got a very unique approach to it. But Corey, as much as I dig him and respect him as a talent, um, isn't necessarily what appeals to me. Doesn't mean he's not one of the best, just it's not my niche. My niche is more class. You know, I'm a, I'm a classic wrestling guy more than I am a current wrestling guy. Okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. You talked a little about Jason Hervey in this episode, and me, personally, I was a big Wonder Years fan. Uh, I know one of the movies that he was in that maybe people forget was he was actually in the first Back to the Future movie. Um, he's a, what's a rerun? That's his line in the movie. Um, but Jason Hervey, I wanted to talk about, if possible, how was him getting into TNA? Because I know, was he part of the package deal with Bischoff and Hogan, or was it something that you pushed to get him in once you were there? Oh, wow. George, you ask such good fucking <laughs> questions. <laughs> well, we don't keep him here because of his man bun, that's for sure. <laughs> All right. I, you know, I love you guys. We've been doing this for a long time, and I'm committed to being honest with you, but I'm also going to be gentle in the process. So bear with me on this one. Um, I've discussed this before. It's not breaking news, TNA didn't necessarily want to hire Eric Bischoff. They wanted to hire Hulk Hogan, but there was no way that they were going to be able to get Hulk Hogan without Eric Bischoff because Hulk Hogan wanted Eric Bischoff to oversee the creative that involved Hulk Hogan because Hulk Hogan didn't trust anybody at TNA. So in a way, I was kind of like a tax. I was a Hulk Hogan tax, (laughs) right? They, uh, nobody at TNA was going, oh, my God, we got to get Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff. They were, like, going, okay, we got to get Hulk Hogan. And, oh, fuck. <laughs> Eric, Eric, Eric Bischoff was coming along with a pack. Um, but at that period of time, during that period of time, Jason Hervey and I were very uh, active as a production entity. We had our own production company in Los Angeles, and we are very successful producing a lot of unscripted um, content for just about every network you can imagine, with with the exception of only a few. And when I went into that deal, I made it clear to the people at TNA that I couldn't enter that deal unless it included my business partner, because I'm a very loyal person. And I wasn't going to enter a deal that excluded my, my business partner. Wow. So I... So... Eric Bischoff was a tax, and Jason Hervey was a subtax. <laughs> That's how that happened. And we saw a lot of his influence early uh, in TNA too, with a lot of those unique backstage segments that they still kind of use to this day. Like, was it easy for him to kind of get creatively involved in that way as well? Well, and again, I'm going to be honest here. That wasn't necessarily Jason's influence. Mm-hmm. Jason was producing that, but. That was an idea that I brought to Spike TV, actually, when Spike TV was looking for a, a another version of TNA or, or a, a piece of shoulder programming to TNA um, where we could shoot some content that felt different mm-hmm. than what we were seeing inside of the Impact Zone. And during that period of time um, that we're talking about, 
because we were producing a lot of reality television, there was a unique photography or, or videography, I guess, uh, technique that was available at the time and technology that went along with it. That was, it was a Canon 5D. That was a, a very uh, sophisticated digital kind of format back in that day. Now you could buy it at Best Buy for $49 and put it on your computer. Mm. But back at the time, it had a very film kind of look. So in a lot of our reality shows that we were producing, there, there are segments called OTFs or on the flies or confessionals. Take your pick. They're all kind of the same thing. And many of those confessionals or OTFs on the flies were shot in this grainy, filmy kind of way that just kind of brought the viewer in in a unique way. And my idea was to create a show that followed Spike TV um, that was shot completely in that format. So it, it that that idea was something that I pitched to Spike TV that they signed off on, but Jason did produce. Mm-hmm. So it was it wasn't necessarily his idea, but he was involved in the production of it. Oh, that's very interesting. That was that was a good rabbit hole we went down there. Uh, now a question from a fan, Dick Grayson, who said, "Hi, Mr. Bischoff. So polite. I like that. What was it like working with Megadeth, John Claude Van Damme, and Chuck Norris on the Universal Soldier: The Return promo?" I don't know. I wasn't there. Yeah, I was going to say that's not something I've heard about. Do you know any of those guys from back in the day? Jean Claude, Chuck Norris. Like you used to hang with a pretty big Hollywood set, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> none of the above. Never crossed paths with any of them. Just Kathy Hilton and Scott Bayo. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and a few others. A few others. More than a few others. Anissa, do you have another question for Eric? Yeah, a little fun one. Um, this past week, we've seen people talk about their Mount Rushmores of pro wrestlers. Eric, what are your Mount Rushmores of managers? Ooh. Very good, young lady. <laughs> Very good. I, I love it when people ask me questions I've never been asked before. That doesn't happen too often, so thank you very much for that one. Oh, you're welcome. Okay, Bobby Heenan. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, um, wow, you guys are going to have to bear with me. I have to give this some thought. <laughs> yeah, that's, Bobby, that's a good one. Bobby Heenan for sure. Um, you know, you got to give it to Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart's got to be there just for longevity. I mean, Jimmy Hart's been around since before dirt was invented. <laughs> <laughs> so that's two. Oh, wow. Who else? Come on. Give me a couple choices here. Guys. Sherry? What about Sherry? Sensational Sherry. No, I don't think, you know, I think that would be taking away from Sherry because mm-hmm. Sherry was should be recognized as one of the best performers in mm-hmm. the ring that has ever happened. She was a great manager. Mm-hmm. But what about Polly? Yeah, Polly. Same thing. I think Polly is is Polly dangerously his. Okay, I'd give it to Polly. <laughs> but I say that you know hesitantly only because Paul has done such a phenomenal job of reinventing himself over the decades. Paul Paul and I used to work in the AWA back in 1987 Mm. when he was, uh, you know, a promoter working with a con artist by the name of Rob Russon. And, and just, he's done everything. Paul has done everything. Uh, 
and he's done such a great job, and I think he's one of the most creative, talented people in the industry today. And I think putting him on that Mount Rushmore managers is kind of like taking away from everything else he's accomplished. But I, I definitely could, I, I could, I could cast that vote. Or what about another guy that maybe is more old school and somebody like Gary Hart? You know, I, it's hard for me to comment on Gary Hart because it's just he wasn't someone that I was exposed to a lot mm-hmm. uh, in in my world. Uh, this was, you know, he, Gary Hart was more, you know, active back in the territory days, and I didn't see a lot of Gary Hart's work. R.J. Hudson said, "What about Paul Bearer?" Or uh, Bruce Banner said, "Mr. Fuji," or even Jim Cornette, Ted DiBiase. <laughs> <laughs> I love this, Eric. I feel like your standards are very high. Nah. <laughs> Paul nothing, Heyman? Nothing, nothing Paul in my belt. Yeah. That's interesting. Something like Captain Lou Albano or... Captain Lou Albano. I'm going to go with Captain Lou. <laughs> Captain Lou, you know, mostly because he was around back when he was a manager and a very colorful, charismatic, you know, loud, identifiable character that we're all. I mean, if you if you showed a picture to uh, of Lou Albano to anybody in any wrestling convention anywhere in the world today, everybody would know who he is. Made a big impression, and largely because he was a part of, um, he was a prominent part of the industry when the industry was expanding so quickly and in such a big and loud and aggressive way. So, yeah, I'd go with Captain Lou. I feel like Conrad Thompson has become somewhat of a in-real-life manager <laughs> of wrestling talent and, and sorts. Maybe we should throw him on there. Uh, but we have another one from Bruzy who said, Hey, Eric, I used to watch you on Twitch. He wants your thoughts on NWA Power. I know you shared that before on this show, but he said, Overall, really, the potential success of all these new promotions that are popping up uh, kind of that came along with AEW. I'm, I'm very... Uh excited, enthusiastic, and supportive of all of them. I think this is such an exciting time for people in the professional wrestling industry and in in any form of entertainment, really, because the technology is growing faster than the platforms that feed them. It's becoming a content-oriented business, oriented business, where, you know, content is always king, and wrestling is always working. So I think companies like you know, NWA and, and, and Power um, are, are have you know a, a world of opportunity because the platforms available to them are growing exponentially every day. So I and, and I you know I'm somewhat familiar with some of the people at, at the NWA and, and Nick Aldis and I are, are, are pretty close friends, uh, as as I am with Billy Corgan and Dave Lagana. Uh, I, I think that they're on the right track. They're focused. They have a great sense of what their brand is and what their vision is for that brand. I don't know that ultimately it's going to become successful. Nobody does until it does become successful. But I'm, I'm really impressed with their vision, their discipline, and with their approach to what they're trying to do. They're, they're merging, you know, a legacy brand in, in NWA and bringing back certain aspects of the nostalgia of sports entertainment and professional wrestling. But at the same time, they're, they're introducing 
a lot of the newer elements to it and, and younger and fresher talent. So I'm, I'm very hopeful for them. I'm cheering them on the sidelines, much like I am AEW, uh, which I think has a, a ton of, obviously, a ton of potential as well. But, you know, who knows? You know, it's the, the wild card is the technology and, and how many opportunities are going to be available because it's, it's growing every day. Yeah, well, your thoughts on new shows. I want to talk about an old show from way back in the 90s. Vader appeared on Boy Meets World a few times in like 95 and 96, kind of towards the end of his WCW run. Did you have any involvement in that? Were you a fan of the show? Do you remember that happening? No, I remember it happening, but I honestly had nothing to do with that. You know, wrestlers back then, especially with WCW, much more than with WWE today, they were truly independent contractors. So anything that they did outside of the wrestling industry were, were things that more often than not things that they developed on, on their own. And we didn't have anything to do with that. That was an opportunity that came Vader's way through a third party and we weren't a part of it, but I was very well aware of it and, and highly supportive of it. Would that make you take notice if one of the guys was getting opportunities like that on his own? Um, yes, of course it would, but you know, you don't, you don't do backflips over it. It doesn't necessarily translate into instant stardom or, you know, necessarily make someone more popular. It's an opportunity. And what, you know, what, at least what I look for is whether those opportunities continue to grow. If one led to two and two led to four and four led to eight and so forth, then yeah, you definitely start paying attention. Otherwise, they were just one-off opportunities that were kind of cool, and you appreciated them for what they were. Yeah, well, that was uh, those are some of my favorite episodes of Boy Meets World. So I know you mentioned that you really had no interest in maybe that on-air authority figure. Like we've seen the Eric Bischoff as a GM, but what about maybe as a more of like a Harvey Schiller type role, where he really was, you know, a, a, a authority figure for Turner Broadcasting? If they would have pitched that to you, maybe when you were the executive director of SmackDown, would that have been maybe more interesting? As far as like, oh, Eric Bischoff's coming out now, we know it's going to be something serious. Where similar to a Harvey Schiller role that he had in WCW. No, no, I was, you know, when the opportunity to go to work for WWE came my way initially, one of the first things that I thought about was, you know, because it's only natural, you know, because of the amount of time that I've spent on camera over the years and most of it was successful, some of it not, but most of it was. Uh, I had to make up my mind early on if that opportunity came my way, how was I going to react to it? And I made up my mind early on that I didn't really want to be on camera. And 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 it's a, it's a really weird thing for me. It's a very personal thing for me because, you know, like this side of my brain loves performing. I love getting out there. It's one of the reasons why I'm doing this with you guys because I still love – I love interacting. I love creating emotion. I love telling stories. I I love performing. This side of my brain <laughs> knows that the wrestling audience has seen it, they've experienced it, and while they may get excited for a moment or two, 
it would just be a matter of time before they would feel like, oh, my God, are we going through this again? <laughs> yeah. The authority figure. Okay. Now, first he was the president of the company. Now he's a general manager in WWE. Now he's back in WWE. He's this other kind of got this other title and he's an authority figure. The challenge with being an authority figure is that your role is essentially the same. You could put whatever title on it you want. You could be a commissioner, as we saw, you know, in in in, in the industry back in the '60s and the '70s, and then you be, you know you could be the president of the company, or you could be a general manager, which didn't really exist before until the whatever 2000s. Um, but at the end of the day, the role is the same thing. You're that guy that comes out and makes matches or reverses decisions or uses your influence to, you know, get your way because you're a heel general manager or a baby face general manager. It's basically all the same. And one of the things I didn't want to do when I went back to WWE is go back to that because it's too easy. Honestly, it would be very easy for me to, to get excited about that. It would be very easy, I guess, maybe not, but, Presumably, it could be easy to get somebody else excited about that kind of role just because of the history of it. But I know in my heart the audience would go, yeah, this is great. <laughs> and then about about three weeks later, they'd be going, oh, God, we've seen this before. And I, I don't ever want to be in that position. I, you know, I love the time that I spent on camera. I had an amazing time. I love performing. But I've said this before in, in other interviews, unless I can create a character or someone else can create one for me that is so unique, it is such a different take on not only a, an authority figure role, but any role that I would get involved with, I have absolutely no interest in doing it because I've already done it for like two freaking decades. <laughs> All right. Well, as disappointing as that is, let's go to fan William Forsyth, who said, do you have any Kurt Henning and Rick Rude stories? He said they're two of my favorites, and their dynamic in 1998 is very underrated. You could tell how tight they were just by watching them. Any thoughts on Rick Rude and Kurt? I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on both of them. You know, I, I, I knew both of them for quite a while before I even got into WCW. Mm -hmm. Um and and Rick and I in particular were were pretty good friends. Um, when I first got to WCW and Rick was there, you know, we traveled a lot together. Uh, we we both grew up in the same neighborhood in Minnesota, uh, knew a lot of the same people, uh, hung out in a lot of the same bars, um, experienced a lot of the same things. <laughs> but um, you know, with when we were working together, I. Honestly, I didn't hang out with them on a social level. It was all business, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed them both. You know, the the one moment, and I know this sounds so insignificant in so many ways, but um, there was a moment, and I was still just an announcer in WCW, and Rick had gone out and bought a brand new Jaguar convertible, a, you know, a sedan convertible. And we were doing a television taping. I think it was in Macon, Georgia. Could be wrong about that. And Rick called me up and said, hey, Eric, I just bought this new Jag 
It's an awesome car. Let's ride together to make it. And I had never been in a giant convertible before. So Rick Rude and I jumped in his giant convertible and threw a six-pack in the console (laughs) (laughs) down I-75 and had an amazing amazing short but amazing road trip on our way to – it just it just wrapped, you know, not about business, not about anything, just very chill, very relaxed. And Rick, you know, Rick was a very intense guy. Rick, Rick could be tough to get along with, especially to do business with from time to time. Um, but on that particular day, it was just like it was like a movie, man. It was just like two two high school guys, you know, high school friends or former high school friends just driving down the road and drank convertible, having a butter too and enjoying the sun oh that's so cool i think that's just the kind of memory that uh he was asking for there george uh last week you guys talked about world war uh three 1997 uh considering starcade was coming up you know the biggest this was the the, the biggest thing that everybody's looking forward to was there any kind of like sense of let's take it easy for this pay-per-view because we want to put all our eggs in starcade's basket or was it same as, you know, World War Three, you know, Halloween Havoc, like, let's just go full balls to the wall for this pay-per-view as well? No, you know, every, paper, every, every pay-per-view was balls out. There was never and, – and, and I say that, you know, and look, obviously we fell short on some pay-per-views. There were some that were obviously much better than others. But you never went into a, a pay-per-view thinking, okay, let's just kind of slow roll this. Mm-hmm. Let's just kind of let's let's phone it in a little bit. Let's not do too well here and throw all of our eggs into this basket because we won't be able to follow it up next month. Those kind of conversations never happen. That th- those thoughts never happen. Mm-hmm. At least not with me. Well, uh, Nick DeBella has a juicy one here from the chat. He said, Art Anderson said Vince says it's a show for one, pretty much meaning screw the fans. Did you ever hear Vince say that? And what are your thoughts on this? Nick wants to know. <laughs> mm, I'm not really sure the context of Arn's comment. I, I will say that anybody that doesn't think that everything that we see, hear, read, or otherwise are exposed to a WWE branded product is not filtered through Vince McMahon isn't really aware. And if that's what Arn was referring to, then then I would definitely agree. Okay. Thank you for that juicy question, Nick. Well, we're definitely winding down here. Anissa, do you have uh, any more burning questions for Eric? Yeah. Uh, Tomasa Ciampa was on Lillian Garcia's podcast, and he pretty much said that he would quit wrestling um, if he got transferred to Raw or SmackDown. What are your thoughts on wrestlers uh, pretty much saying that now the fact that NXT is on USA Network? Do you think it's a pay situation or is just they just love to be on NXT? Yeah, that's quite a grandiose statement. I don't know that that would go over well backstage. What do you think about someone like a Tommaso Ciampa being that brazen publicly? Um stupid yeah 
<laughs> That's pretty much all that we can say about that. But uh, I think you are you are probably dead on with that one, Eric. Wow, everybody in the chat is so grateful that you've hanging out with us for a little minute. They all want to say hello, Charlene and Jonathan and Teddy. And uh, what are your uh, what are your plans for the next week or so, Eric? Um, you know, I've I've, I've decided after about a eight-year layoff to hit the gym. <laughs> oh, that could go either way, yeah? <laughs> so so that that's kind of like my number one priority every morning. Actually, my dog is my first priority, so I get up in the morning and uh, take my dog for a nice bike ride. We're, we're, we live in this, well, we live, we're staying at this great Airbnb, Airbnb in uh, Dunedin, Florida, and right behind us, or two blocks behind us, is this great parkway it's a, it's a bike path that's like 31 miles so i can there's a, there's a bike that comes along with this house that we're staying at so i get up in the morning and i take my bike my dog for a nice bike ride every morning and then get up have some coffee go to the gym and then take care of some business and just take it kind of one day at a time look for me I, you know i'm in the entertainment business the entertainment business as you guys probably know um, outside of this world um, pretty much shuts down around the middle of November. It yeah. doesn't really pick back up again <laughs> until after the middle of January. So I'm just enjoying my family. I'm enjoying my wife. I'm enjoying where we are, enjoying the weather, and getting my fat ass back in shape. And uh, <laughs> that's it. Man. <laughs> it. Nothing more exciting than that. Does your wife have you on a strict diet too, or do you just go for the exercise? Start small. No, I, you know, my wife, yeah, she's really smart. She's, she's, <laughs> she's, she's, she's very influential, but she's, she's like a ninja. She doesn't like force anything on me, but she suddenly sneaks up behind me and convinces me to convince myself that I'm going to go on the diet. So she's kind of <laughs> like, she's a, she's a ninja that way. <laughs> Almost like she knows you well after all these years or something. Yeah. After 37 years, she's kind of figured it out. Well, glad you guys are enjoying your time and that your pup has some space again to run around. And uh, we hope you guys are enjoying your time there with the family. And we hope we'll see you next week again. Guys, I really love doing this with you. And I really appreciate the opportunity. I'm grateful for it. Thank you. And I look forward to doing it again next week. Oh, thank, you. Oh, thank you so much, Eric. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Uh, always fun as per usual. Love to hear about what Eric is up to these days. We've gotten a little bit more of that on 83 Weeks than we used to, too. And I couldn't help but notice this week on this uh, Ask Eric Anything episode that there was actually a couple questions that we've covered here on After 83 Weeks. So you guys know we are bringing you all the scoop, and you're helping us do that by submitting all these awesome questions. So thank you guys so much for coming and hanging out with us live. And if you want to send Eric questions, but you can't make it here at this time you can always reach out to us and do that use hashtag after 83 weeks or reach out to any of us personally and uh, you know come and hang out with us on wednesdays at 5 p.m on the 83 weeks channel and if you're here already hit that subscribe button so you never miss any clips and good stuff from this show or from 83 weeks and on that note guys if everybody wants to reach out to you and send you those questions anisa i'm sure you have a lot of new fans now after this thank you so much for joining us thank you for having me where can everybody hit you up at yeah you can find me on on Instagram and Twitter at Anisa Bar. All right. Thanks again for joining us, George. You can follow me at G Hermosa on Twitter and Instagram, G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A. Yeah. 
All of the above. <laughs> all of the above. And I assume that Steve, who is under the weather this week, will be back next week. You guys can always talk to him at Steve Kaufman. And hit me up anytime at Christy Reports. And please also check out my YouTube channel. You guessed it, Christy Reports. And as you heard the man himself say, Eric Bischoff will be back next week. We'll be doing it all again. Please join us live. We will see you then. Take care. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 